So I have a question for all of you. How many of you moved to Colorado because it was your dream? Ever since growing up, I want to move to Colorado. I want, I've always, out of all the places in the world, the most beautiful place, I'm going to move to Colorado. How, raise your hand. Amen, amen. It is a beautiful place. Now, how, how, what are the other reasons or, uh, that you moved to Colorado? Maybe even Castle Rock or just Colorado. Maybe for family? Job, job. There is a purpose to the move, right? There is a purpose to the move. And so that is exactly what we are here for. We're here for a purpose. There's nothing that happens by coincidence, always for purpose. When you have a purpose, there's a chance that you'll stay longer in the area, right? If there's no purpose, chances are you'll probably leave after a while, right? So there needs to be a purpose. So last night we learned there was, a, there was special instructions God has given his last day people, his people to prepare for a time of no buying and selling. The only physical preparation we are counted to do in all the inspired word of God, whether it be the Bible, whether it be a spirit of prophecy, there was only one instruction we had to prepare for such a time. But there's also even more purpose. There's more purpose. There's a work, a work for this time. So I want to, again, just praise God for opening the doors to giving us the opportunities to do a special purpose and a special work for this time. Whether you know it or not, things are happening so fast. Do you agree with that? Are things happening in rapid movements? Yes, they are. They're happening rapidly, rapid movements. You know, one day, everything is what it seems to be. We're, we're uh, spending time with family. We're going to work. Next thing you know, we're being shut down. We're being locked in our homes. Uh, there's just this... Uh, thing going on globally, not just in our neighborhood, not just in our city, but not just even in our country, but all over the world, this uh, pandemic has affected many people. So many restrictions. I know that for some reason, when I, was, when I was watching the news last year, and I'd see that grocery stores didn't have toilet paper out of all the things, didn't have toilet paper. But you know, in our little town, we had a bunch of toilet paper in a little town of Wilcox. For those of you that remember last night, we live in the little town of Wilcox. And our stores were packed full of toilet paper. But when, well, about a week later, all the, store, all the shelves were empty. And why? They said people from Phoenix, people from New Mexico were <laughs> coming over and taking all our toilet paper and paper towel and hand sanitizer. I said, wow. So a lot of things, these, these events are just happening so fast. And we know that the end is near in sight and also quickly giving us more and more opportunities. So we, if we think about it, as much as things have been happening, people have been uh, depressed. People have been staying in their homes. People haven't been able to see their families. I have family members who, who couldn't even visit someone who was dying in the hospital. People are scared to do their regular doctor visits because they're scared of getting, getting something, right? My dad was actually in the hospital uh, not too long ago about, uh, no, actually last year. and. Uh, he was scared to even go to the hospital. Even if he, had a, if he thought he had a kidney stone, he was suffering. I don't want to go there because I might get stuck there. I'd rather just stay home. But he, he toughed it out, but he ended up going. And my mom was so worried. We were all worried because we couldn't go and visit. If those were going to be his last days, what would be the last thing he sees? Not his family. So these are very serious times. People are in need more than ever of a savior. Amen. These are, these are tough times. Satan knows his time is short and he's working hard, but I have good news for you because Satan's working so hard. Who do you think is working even harder? Jesus. Jesus is working even harder. Amen? Amen. With that being said, let's bow our heads. Gracious, loving, heavenly Father.
we know that so many things are happening around us, some that we may not even know of. But, Lord, we know that you only allow things because there's a purpose and a reason. We know that you're coming soon and that you're trying to reach and knock on everyone's heart now more than ever to wake up and realize that it's almost time to go home. But, Lord, I know we thank you for your mercy and your long-suffering, your patience with us. Help us to hear your instructions and what to do, to have a purpose and not just to be and not just to live, but to live for you and to live for your will and to be about our Father's business. Let us work, for we know the night is coming. I ask that you please don't hold it against all these people here today, my brothers and sisters. Don't hold it against them because of my shortcomings. But please, Lord, forgive me and forgive us. And I just ask your Holy Spirit to be with us today. Help bring home the message. And I ask that you please, please, may your words be said and not mine. Speak to me and through me. And I ask all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Can you guys hear me okay with the microphone? Okay. All right. So how many of you truly believe that we are living in the last days? Raise your hand. If you truly believe that we're living in the last days. Amen. Now, are the last days of earth considered to be the darkest hour? Is that, is that, if you read prophecy, if you read spirit of prophecy, if you read, is the night considered the darkest hour? When it gets night, it's dark, right? That means something's coming. We're closer to midnight, maybe the midnight cry, right? Are we in the darkest hour? It seems pretty dark. It seems pretty dark to me. It seems like we're at the 11th hour, maybe 11.59 p.m. <laughs> okay. Is this... If this is the case, then I want to share something with you. What do we need at this point to help us through these times? What do we need to help us through these darkest hours? How many of you want to know what I say? Raise your hand if you want to know what I say. No, you don't. You want to know what God says. You want to know what God says. I'm glad not, not that many of you raised your hand. You want to know what God says. Don't, you don't want to know what I say. You don't want to know what um, Pastor Doug Bachelor says. You don't want to know what anyone says. You don't want to know any pastor, any friend. You always want to know what who? God says, what the Bible says. Amen. Amen. So I want you to take your Bible, take your Bible, all right, and turn to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. Let's see what God says. Not what I say, but what God says, okay? Revelation 12, in verse 1. Now, let me hear you say, amen. A whole hearty, happy Sabbath, amen. 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 Let me get to that page. I hear those leaves turning. All right. And it says here, Revelation 12, in verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the... And the, and the moon, there you go, I can hear you now, under her feet and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. Now, church, I know you're all Bible prophecy scholars, so who is the woman in Bible prophecy? What does a woman represent in Bible prophecy? The church, amen, it represents, the, she represents the church, and what is under the woman's feet? The moon is what she's standing on. That's right. Amen. Amen. All right. Now I want you to turn to Genesis. Keep your fingers on Revelation 12.1. Keep it bookmarked. Then I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1 in verse 16. And let me hear your 
wholehearted amen when you get there. Genesis 1, Genesis 1, first book of the Bible, in verse 16. Amen. 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 All right, everyone there. Genesis 1, verse 16, it says, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. So how many lights did God create? Two great lights. One great light to rule the day, which is the, the sun. And the lesser light, which is the moon, to rule the night. Amen? Is that clear? So if we saw in Revelation 12, verse 1, and I have it on the screen here, that God made two great, oh, I'm sorry, that the woman stood on the moon. The church stood on the moon. Well, let me ask you something. Where does the moon get its light from? The sun. Amen. He, it gets the light from the sun. Now, friends, are we in the last days of Earth's long night? Are we in the, in the darkest hour? So what do we, the church, need to be standing on according to what we just read? The moon. The moon. Is that what the church was standing on? Is that what the woman was standing on? The moon. Okay? So we need the lesser light that rules the night. But the question is, where does the moon get the light from? The sun, right? The sun of God. The sun of righteousness. Jesus Christ. So you're right. From Jesus. Because the moon is nothing without the, the sun. Without the Son of God. Amen. So the lesser light, God's prophet for his last day people, gets light from one, no one other than the Son, the Son of God. Amen. And it says here, the E.G. White writings elevate the law of God and ever lead men and women to the Bible in its entirety. She points to the Bible as the sole rule of faith and practice as the great light to which her writings, the lesser light, lead. Now, you'll notice that in most of my slides, you'll see a lot of spirit of prophecy. Because right now, we are living in the darkest hour. We are to turn to the Bible, but we have a blessing of having a prophet for these last days. Every generation, every people, all of God's people never had no one to give them a warning to. God always gives them a prophet. With so many things going on today, we need more instruction more than ever with all the things that are happening in this world today. Amen? And so here we are, the 11th hour. Of earth's long night. The 11th hour. And so I want to read some headlines. So how do we know we're in the 11th hour? How do we know we're at 11.59 p.m.? Or maybe 11.50 or 11.45. Only God knows what, true, what truly what time it is. It says coronavirus, climate change. For those of you that weren't here last night, I'm going to read some headlines. A few of them, not all of them. I'm not going to go into great detail as I did last night. But uh, there's a few other ones in here, more recent ones. Coronavirus, climate change hasn't disappeared with the pandemic. Remember that climate change is linked to the encyclical Laudato Si. Because the answer to climate change is the Sunday. Sunday line. We'll show that in his encyclical. It says in his very own encyclical, Laudato Si, it says the responsibility for God's earth means that human beings endowed with intelligence must respect the laws of nature along these same lines. Rest on the seventh day is meant not only for humans, but also so that your ox and your donkey 
may have rest. So we must respect the earth. We must respect nature. And that ties into the seventh day rest. In number 71 of his encyclical, it says, all it takes is one good person to restore hope. The biblical tradition clearly shows that this renewal entails recovering and respecting the rhythms inscribed in nature by the hand of the creator. We see this, for example, in the law of the Sabbath. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. He commanded Israel to set aside each seventh day as a day of rest, a Sabbath, recovering and respecting nature. Again, tied to the seventh-day Sabbath. And here's the underlying message again, the main focal point of the Laidatu C, 237. It says, on Sunday, on which day? On Sunday, our participation in the Eucharist has special importance. Which day? Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath. Is this the Jewish Sabbath? Hmm. Well, the Jews do have a Sabbath, too, but we also have a Sabbath. Is meant to be a day which heals our relationships with God, with ourselves with others, and with the world. And so the day of rest, centered on the Eucharist, sheds its light on the whole week and motivates us to greater concern for and the poor. Save the earth from dying. Spend time with family. Be off work. Sounds great. Just give me that one day of rest. Give me Sabbath. Give me the green Sabbath. Let's do our part and save this earth 50 sundays 52 sundays to rescue rescue creation new york city's latest attraction a climate clock that counts down to doomsday 52 sundays why can't it be 52 mondays maybe 52 wednesdays but it has to be 52 sundays of course it does it says in that article the bishop of salisbury has described the Climate Sunday initiative launched this weekend as a brilliant resource to help parishes reach the target of zero emissions in 2030 and campaign for more government action. Government action for Sundays. Government action. Hmm. Climate lockdown. COVID lockdown trial run for climate lockdown. Trial run. I'm sorry. COVID lockdown trial run for climate lockdown. Again, the Pope supports classifying ecocide as a crime, an international crime. Climate lockdown. Wow. Again, uh, a Green New Deal architect explains how the protest and climate crisis are connected. As protests rage over George Floyd's death, climate activists embrace racial justice. These were all current, these were all events last year, right? In 2020. And see, there's a connection with COVID, with Black Lives Matter, and with climate change. Climate change is actually the end game here. This is the real problem behind all these issues. It says unequal impact, the deep links between racism and climate change. Everything that's happening is being linked to climate change. to see the solution, Sunday law, Sunday law. Biden administration, this is actually just recent, February 1st. Biden administration cites climate change as a racial justice issue. Hmm, they are connected, they are connected. There's an unlikely beneficiary of coronavirus. I don't think we're benefiting, but the planet is. The planet is benefiting. What the coronavirus can teach us about fighting climate change. What did the coronavirus teach us? Let's see what they say. The pandemic has already proved that big change is possible. Has there been lots of changes? Lots of changes. It took just a few days in March for Americans to isolate in their homes and overhaul their lives. It has taken just a few months for huge majorities 
of people to adopt habits they would never before have considered. A few months to change. A few months to overhaul their lives. And now this is the new normal. This is the new normal. Let, let, let's chew on that for a second. Let's chew on that for a second. For us to change in just a matter of time, we just had to have a little bit of fear. Things could happen rapidly. Rapid movements, right? Rapid movements. Whenever I see healing wounds, that's kind of to, to us prophecy students, we see healing wounds. That's like a trigger. Those are trigger words, right? And again, time to heal wounds in the United States. It says some steps in this direction have already been announced in recent weeks, such as the return of the United States to the Paris Climate Agreement. This move converges with Pope Francis's commitment in favor of the custody of our common home expressed in Laudato Si'. But continuing, it says this awareness must not just remain in utterance, but quoting Fratelli Tutti, which is this 2020 encyclical, requires a concrete effort at all levels. It requires a commitment not only from political leaders, but from all people and their movements to promote the common good and strengthen democracy. This is even more true today in a historical period in which despite centrifugal forces and nationalistic interests, the pandemic has dramatically shown that no one is saved. We're not saved alone. Hmm. Here's that common good word, those two words. The church teaches that purpose of government is a period, period, period. And that's what I said last night. They had to really emphasize that because they had three periods. One is actually spelled out in the middle, period. This is recent too. This is a February 5th, Massachusetts Catholic Conference urges state leaders to find common ground. Now, what common ground would that be? What, do you, what would you think the common ground would be with state legislators? Well, let's see. Let's look at the article. In his letter, Driscoll pointed to Pope Francis's words in his 2015 encyclical, Laudato Si, where he spoke of the warming climate and his impact on the environment. Humanity is called to recognize the need for changes of lifestyle, production, and consumption in order to combat this warning, or at least the human causes which produce or aggravate it, the Pope said in his encyclical. Driscoll urged the state's political leaders to find common ground in the days that follow and enact a bill that is vital in providing for a healthy future for all Massachusetts residents and the generations that will follow. Now, do you think the Laudato Si has large influence on the world leaders and governments? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Biden prioritizes climate change as national security concern, pauses oil drilling on public lands. Biden orders sweeping actions to pause energy drilling and fight what? Climate change. Climate change. It's a priority. It's a national concern. It's a global concern. Because why? The U.S. In Feb on February 19th, how long ago was that? February 19th. What's today's date? The 20th, this was yesterday. U.S. formally rejoined the Paris Climate Accord. Now, what is the Paris Climate Accord? What does that have to do with climate change? What does that have to do with anything? Why are we even talking about this? Paris Agreement, I don't know if all of you could see this. It says 2015 in Paris, countries agreed on a framework to limit greenhouse gas emissions. It's often called the Paris Climate Agreement. Pope Francis's encyclical on climate change and ecology, Laudato Si, says that, interdependence obliges us to think of one of one world with a common plan with a common plan 
in 2015 to achieve the vision of Pope Francis and the church at the Paris Summit, global Catholic climate movement collected nearly 1 million signatures and mobilized 40,000 people to march calling for an ambitious Paris Agreement. Now look at this, 2017, the Global Catholic Climate Movement, which is GCCM, produced a prayer guide for the meeting that established a rule book for the Paris Agreement. Wow, 2018, Catholic leadership will be essential to demonstrate moral clarity as countries announce their new national climate plans. Do they have an influence? Well, let's, let's continue. What else does this say about this Paris Agreement? Commitment and unity. It says every country. How many countries? Every country on earth is now part of the Paris Agreement. The United States has said that it wants to withdraw, but according to the terms of the deal, that couldn't happen until 2020. Well, are they now part of it? Were they the last ones left out of that deal? They are now. The whole world, every country is in this agreement. The agreement means concrete progress on climate is within our reach. Along with Jeremiah, we rejoice in the creator who gives us a future and hope. However, agreement is merely the first step and governments must now urgently improve and fulfill those pledges. And they are today. And they are moving swiftly and rapidly, whether you know it or not. To overcome economic disparities, turn to papal encyclicals, panelists say. Well, did they turn to the encyclicals? This is February 9th. They are. And what encyclical would that be? Inside Pope Francis's mission to make capitalism work for the common good. Again, capitalism for the common good. He has influence on businesses like maybe Walmart, maybe Amazon, maybe Target, Costco. What do you mean capitalism? Pope Francis partners with corporate titans to make capitalism more inclusive and fair. Is this for real or just corporate virtual signing, signaling? Big business gets its wings, gets its what? Its wings? As leaders from major US companies partner with Pope Francis. Capitalism met Catholicism on Tuesday as some of the world's biggest business and investment leaders announced a new partnership with Pope Francis. Don't we buy and sell from some of these places? Buy and sell? You starting to see the big picture? Pope Francis, the chaplain of the United Nations, Roman Catholic Church to be a sacrament in the world, in the realms of global politics, education, and economy, and salvation. It doesn't say that. I think I see, I think I see the move more towards global politics than more than salvation. It's interesting. The chaplain of the United Nations. I don't know if any of you have ever been in the military. There's chaplains, aren't there? Do they talk about politics to you? I don't, I don't know. I've never, I'm not a chaplain. I, I, I don't know a chaplain. I'm just, I'm just curious. That's just, I'm not really sure. Can Catholic social teaching unite a divided America? We are so divided, aren't we? On every topic. On every topic. On race. To vaccinate or not vaccinate. Some of us to even wear a mask or not. Or not. I don't know, is, 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 is the virus real or not? I don't know. Is it over, over, over Medus? I don't know. But all I know is that we are divided and it causes a lot of division. And I see literally people every day fighting, parents and children, not talking to each other, not visiting with one another. It's 
spitting on people, beating people up for not wearing a mask, for not getting the vaccine, cursing people, these same people who are lovely people. What has it done to us, all this division? We need some social teaching, right? We need to be united. We need to be united as America, right? What, how can we be united? Pope Francis announced a series of talks on Catholic social doctrine in light of COVID-19 pandemic. So let's see how we should be united. Okay, so it says here, religious liberty must also respect the common good. Hmm. Religious liberty must also respect the common good. Let's dive into it. Let's dive into this. It says, this makes it even more important to remember that Catholic teaching says the right to religious liberty is not of itself an unlimited right. The just limits of the exercise of religious freedom must be determined in each social situation with political prudence according to the requirements of the common good and ratified by the civil authority through legal norms consistent with the objective moral order. The common good to lose your religious freedom. For the common good to wear your mask or I'll kill you. No church services. I'll beat you. I'll turn you in. I'll shut your utilities off. It's all for the common good. All for the common good. We're told in prophecy that for the common or greater good, God's commandment, Sabbath-keeping people, are going to be persecuted because of the common good. It doesn't really seem too far-fetched now when things are happening so fast before our eyes that this is not too far off. We might actually be at 11.59 and 59 seconds. I don't know. But I pray that God will stretch time for my mom, for my neighbor, my grandparents, for my son, my daughter. Pope, fraternity is the challenge of our times. Fraternity, togetherness. Either we are brothers or we are enemies. Fratelli Tutti, that's his 2020 encyclical. We are brothers or we are enemies. We saw last night, for those of you that were here for part one, that God has given us specific instructions. The only physical instructions, counsel in all of scripture, in all of spirit of prophecy, in all of his inspired writings, the instructions on how to prepare for the time of trouble, the time of no buying or selling, the time where the problem of buying and selling will be a serious one, is what we saw in the writing. And what was it? Move to the country. And I, I, I want to make that very clear. Every place needs ministry. This place needs ministry. Do you agree with that? I see some uh, the announcements. You had some outreach opportunities. That's excellent. We need to do ministry. But it also counseled us that we need not to do it from within, but from without. To go away from the city, but go in the city to do the work. But there's more instruction. Maybe some of you may think that you move out to the rural areas, come back to Castle Rock, do the ministry work. Excellent. Maybe some of you think that you move out to the rural areas and you sit on the rocking chair, sip on some lemonade and study your favorite Bible verses and just wait until the Lord comes, a nice little retirement until Jesus comes. But let me tell you, there is a specific work. And again, who wants to know what I say? Anyone want to know what I say? 
I saw that. You almost... Okay, let's see what God says. Let's turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9 in verse 4. Let's start in verse 4. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the fourth gospel. John chapter 9. And let me, as I hear the leaves turning, say amen when you get to John. John chapter 9 in verse 7. Amen. Amen. John chapter 9. Some of us could really turn those leaves really fast. Amen. Amen. John chapter 9 in verse 4. Let's start in verse 4. It says here, I must work the works of him that sent me. This is Jesus speaking. Keep in mind it's in red. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. So whose work is Jesus doing? His father's work. God's work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Because why? The night is coming, right? When no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. He made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now, what kind of work should we be doing in the last days in the darkest hour? What did Jesus do right here? He gave us a very good, very good example here for when the time is coming, when the darkest hours are here. As the night cometh, Jesus did his father's work. We should be doing our father's work as well. What was his father's work? He was healing. Did he not heal? He used clay and spit and spittle. Right? He used clay and spittle. He was doing the medical missionary work. Should we be doing this work? Did Jesus do more healing than preaching? And then he said, come and follow me. Right? So is that our example? Is Jesus our example? Amen. Amen. And so it says here, we have come to a time when some of the members of the church. How many? Every member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. The world is a Lazar house filled with victims, both physical and spiritual disease. Everywhere people, everywhere people are perishing for a lack of knowledge of the truths that have been committed to us. The members of the church are in need of an awakening that they may realize their responsibility to impart these truths. Is the world filled with victims of physical disease and spiritual disease? Or are we just going to teach them the, the commandments and, and there is only spiritual disease in the world? You know, it's funny. It's not funny. It's a serious thing, I think, is that we have church services and sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon. Every Sabbath, 365 days a year. How many Sabbaths is that? 52 Sabbaths? About 52 Sabbaths? But yet, how many, how many sermons on health do we have? Yet 365 days a year, there's someone sick. How many of you know someone that is sick? I know plenty of people that are sick. I don't know about you. I have friends who have passed away from cancer. I have people dying from diabetes. People dying from this virus, whatever it is. People dying from many different things. And it's a serious matter. 
your love for these souls should go beyond just giving them the Ten Commandments and teaching them the Sabbath message. There's a greater work. There's a greater purpose. Now, when we see this word, when we bring this, this, this specific quotation up, every member of the church, that's pretty intimidating that every member, that means you, it doesn't matter what age you are, every member. If you're a member of the church, that's every member. That's pretty intimidating to me. And then I see the word medical. Oh, well, I'm not a doctor. Maybe some of you are. Maybe some of you are nurses or well, some kind of physician or surgeon. I'm not sure, but I'm not. So how, Lord, how can I live up to this quote? Well, I'm here to tell you today that you don't need to be a medical professional. I'm not even here to tell you that. I'm letting you see it for yourself today, that you don't need to be a medical. Was Jesus a doctor? Were any of the disciples the doctor? Well, maybe. I think uh, Luke was. Luke was. Luke was a physician. He was a medical missionary. He was a medical missionary. But I'm here to tell you that you just need to be a friend. Can you be a friend? Yes. Are you a friend of someone? Yes. Can you be my friend? Yes. Can I be your friend? Yes. <laughs> Amen. 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 The medical missionary work is the work is to the work of the church as the what part of the body? How many of you are right-handed? I could see from where how you're raising your hand. You're right-handed. So, but what happens if you cut your right hand off? How would your day go? Would it be easier for you or harder? I imagine it would be a lot harder. So the third angel's message, what message? The third angel's message goes forth proclaiming the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. The medical missionary work is the gospel in, in practice. All the lines of work are to be harmoniously blended in giving the invitation, come for all things are now ready. The gospel in practice, to have the character of who? Jesus. He was the walking gospel. You want to preach the three angels' message? You can't do it without having to have the gospel in practice, without having the medical missionary work. We should call it the gospel medical missionary work. Jesus was the walking gospel. He befriended people. Then he said, come and follow me. Did he not? Medical missionary work is the pioneer work of the gospel. In the ministry of the word and in the medical missionary work, the gospel is to be preached and practiced. Many have no faith in God and have lost confidence in man, but they appreciate acts of sympathy and helpfulness as they see one with no inducement of earthly praise or compensation come into their home, ministering to the sick, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, comforting the sad, and tenderly pointing all to him of whose love and pity the human worker is but the messenger. As they see this, their hearts are touched. Gratitude springs up. Faith is kindled. They see that God cares for them, and they are prepared to listen as his word is open. The medical missionary work, the gospel medical missionary work, is the wedge to the gospel. The wedge to the gospel. Acts of sympathy, helpfulness, not looking for praise, not looking to get paid. Who would charge a friend to help them when they're sad or sick? Would you charge a friend? Who here would charge a friend? Oh, you need help with your groceries? Let me help you unload those. That will be $50. Who says that here? Maybe you give them a discount. Let me give you a special discount today. 50% off, $25 to help you with your groceries. You're sad you need a friend? You're, just, you're going through a rough time? Let me pray with you. That would be $10. 
Do we do that? No, we don't do that. Is it hard to be a friend? No, you're already doing it every day. You're already doing it every day, I'm sure. Now, let me ask you, if someone was sick, if someone was sad, if someone was discouraged, how many of you know someone sad, discouraged, or sick? Anyone? Those of you not raising your hands, wow, I've, that's pretty good. <laughs> There's a lot of happy people in your life. Amen. Amen for that. That's a blessing. That's, I'm not being facetious. But who would visit them and pray for them and cry with them? Raise your hand. You're a friend. You're a medical missionary. There is a need of coming far to the people. Coming close to the people by personal effort. If less time were given to sermonizing and more time were spent in personal ministry, greater results would be seen. The poor are to be relieved, the sick cared for, the sorrowing and the bereaved comforted, the ignorant instructed, the inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of the love of God, this work will not, cannot be without fruit. Is that a beautiful promise? It cannot. It will not go without fruit. Now, some of us, when we have someone that may be asking for help, Maybe someone wants you to take them to the park. Maybe they're just sad and they want to get outside, get some fresh air, maybe a little sunlight. Maybe get them out to nature for a little bit. Who would take them? Who would want to take their friend? Amen, amen. You have so beautiful mountains out here and parks, I heard, which I plan to go to maybe in the next couple of days. I want to see them for myself. But who would you take them? You raised your hand. You're a friend. You're a medical missionary. It says here, the more the patient can be kept out of doors, the less care will he require the less care will he require. The more cheerful his surroundings, the more helpful will he be. Shut up in the house, be it ever so elegantly furnished, he will grow fretful and gloomy. But surround him with the beautiful things of nature. Place him where he can see the flowers growing and hear the birds singing, and his heart will break into song and harmony with the songs of the birds. Relief will come to the body and mind. The intellect will be awakened, the imagination quickened, and the mind prepared to appreciate the beauty of what? God's word. God's word. Now, who would try to cheer them up? Who would try to hold their hand, give them words of hope, not from your own opinion, but from God's promises? Who would want to cheer them up with God's words, God's promises? Hold their hand. Pray with them. Cheer them up. Raise your hand. Amen. Amen. You're a friend. You're a medical missionary. The mission of Christ was to heal the sick, encourage the hopeless, bind up the brokenhearted. This work of restoration is to be carried on among the needy, suffering ones of humanity. God calls not only for your benevolence, but your cheerful countenance, your hopeful words, the grasp of your hand. Relieve some of God's afflicted ones. Some are sick and hope has departed. Bring back the sunlight to them. There are souls who have lost their courage. Speak to them. Pray for them. This is the medical missionary work, friends. This is the gospel medical missionary work. Now, if they wanted a healthier diet that tasted great, tasted delicious, because they were sick, they knew they didn't have to eat healthier, but they didn't know where to start. There's too many YouTube videos, too many Google entries there. They don't know what's healthy. They don't know who to believe. They're going to a friend. What can I cook? 
Who would cook them a healthy, and who would do all the research they can to get the healthiest, healthiest, delicious, most palatable food? Who would do that for a friend? Amen. You're a medical missionary. You're a friend. The science of cooking is not a small matter. This art should be regarded as the least valuable of all the arts. No, it says the most valuable of all the arts because it is so closely connected with life. It should receive more attention for in order to make good blood, the system requires good food because life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. The foundation of that which keeps people in health is the medical missionary work of good cooking. Good cooking. That's part of the medical missionary work. It's part of the medical missionary work. Now, I want to show you this. I'm going to need sound for this. I want to make sure this works. This is a prostate cancer patient that me, uh, my wife and I had, our ministry had. He had 10 years, he had prostate cancer for 10 years. And he had gone to some of our um, uh, sanitariums. And he paid a hefty amount of money. They treated him, went home, no other instructions, no result. Twice he did this. Twice he spent money. Now, there are plenty of great sanitariums that we have that do great work. Now, I'm not saying that they're not doing a great work. I believe they are. They are doing a great work of a lot of healing and bringing people to Christ. But in this instance, it didn't work. He had no faith in God's natural remedies. No faith in any of that. So he went to one of our hospitals, Adventist hospitals, and took some, was it proton therapy? I think it's proton or, I think it's proton or chemo, something like that. And he was fine for a while. Then he came a year later, less than a year later. He was in worse condition than he already was. Now it had metastasized to his pelvic bone. He was in pain. He could hardly walk. His demeanor was just hopeless. Asking for prayer. Asking anyone, begging people to please pray for him. And God called us, the most inexperienced people who were not qualified, but were just willing we're just willing to do a work. Yes, there were natural remedies, and yes, there were some water therapies we used. Lots of prayer, lots of prayer. But listen to what he stressed was the most of what he was praising God for. Listen to this. I went to a lifestyle center, and uh, they said, oh, yeah, we can treat you. We can treat you. And for three solid that? weeks, can you turn they it up gave me all sorts of yeah, it is. hot and cold treatments it's and good? all sorts okay. of other stuff. But then they sent me home. Uh, nothing, no follow-up, anything. That cost me five grand. Can you guys hear that? And uh, then I went again at another time. And uh, again, yeah, we did this, we did that. Uh, hot and cold, hot and cold showers, saunas, and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I forget how much that cost me. But uh, then they sent me home. That's all there was to it, nothing. On the other hand, uh, Ernie here that uh, hasn't charged me anything. He's been, he's been sacrificing his time, his talents to give me all of these natural treatments. Who knows how long this is gonna last. But he says he'll be right here with me all the time. Praise be his name. That's all I can say. Praise be the Lord's name. 
Well, he found somebody that cares. And he hasn't charged me anything. He hasn't charged me anything. This is, this is medical missionary work at its finest. Praise be his name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for sending these people over here. Thank you, Lord, for your, for your healing hand. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, for your love. And thank you, Lord, for giving me courage. Praise be your name. I apologize. I, I know that some of you might not hear it. That's, that's a dead spot there, I think I was informed. So please, if you want to sit, if there's going to be a few more clips, if you'd like to sit out here, there, the speaker's better. So. Great. Great. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. All right. It was, it was free, he said. The time. And he says, I finally found someone who cares. Did he say, I finally got the natural remedies? I finally got, the, I finally got someone to do water therapy on me? He didn't say that, did he? It didn't sound like he was describing a medical missionary, right? It sounded like he was describing a friend. Amen? Here's, a, here's them eating. This is our patient eating a mac and cheese with a E-E-Z, cheese. Okay. Mac and cheese, which is made of potato and carrots that we cook for them. Kim, uh, my wife, does a lot of the uh, cooking and the diet uh, for the diet and the herbal treatments. And here's a clip of them here. This is us. Here's our team of friends singing with them and having worship with them. I know you and so are you. So let's friends the Lord. Right our Father Abraham. Actually, we have uh, Sister Elizabeth and her daughter Jackie here with us, helping us out. Um, and so you can see how simple that is. Is it hard to sing? Father Abraham had many sons. His smile on his face was, was, was priceless, priceless. This is a man who had three months to live. Doctor said you had no other chance. We have nothing to do for you. Just go home and take all these, take this bag of pills. Three months to live, maybe, maybe less, maybe a little more. Simple, right? Here's another one. Often at times when treatments were while tough, in a encouragement, while we shall cross the billows foam. We shall meet at last when the stormy winds are past. In a little while, we're going home. These are some of the water treatments. These are tough. Sometimes you have to be a personal motivator. Go, come on, you're almost there. You're almost there. But some, you don't really need to rely on your word. Just read some of these. Sing some songs of praise that will encourage them to get through each moment, through that last few minutes of that fever bath. Lots of prayer. Lots of prayer. We even gave him a haircut. He needed a haircut. I don't know if he liked his haircut. He didn't look too happy about it. <laughs> At least we tried, right? We, we do whatever we can to be a friend. And he says, I, I kind of need a haircut. I wish I had a haircut. Well, you do what you can, right? You do what we can. We call it the COVID cut. We couldn't go to the barber shop, so we had to give him the COVID special. We call it. But does it look good? Praise God. Praise God. He actually, he, he actually didn't mind. I cut it again after like another two weeks, three weeks later. So he had me return as, as his barber. So <laughs> praise the Lord. So 
Can we be a friend? Can we cheer a friend up by helping them and by spreading or spending time with them, saying positive words for them, reminding them of God's promises? Can we do that? Amen. We could cheer them up. Let's turn to Proverbs 17, verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 17. Let me get an amen when you get there. Proverbs 17, 22. Proverbs 17, 22. And it says here, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Be merry, be cheerful, and that will be health to your bones. That will be health. It will be good like a medicine. And then let's turn to uh, Proverbs 16, verse 24. A couple chapters before that. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. Proverbs 16, 24. <laughs> I'm not a good singer, but <laughs> it made some of you smile, so <laughs> that must be okay, right? I hope I brought a little bit of cheer. So you'll have health to your bones today. <laughs> amen, amen. So just cheering people up. Bringing them a merry heart, amen? Being positive. Is that being a friend? Amen. Simple. Now, do you want to see the blessing? Do you want to see the blessing of God's promises? Do you want to see the blessing of God's promises? All right, let's see how God has his promises. His promises never come back to him void. His words never come back to him void. A promise is a promise of God. My promises? Don't believe me. I try to hold my promises, but God never fails. His word never fails. When we have a faith that works, when we obey, there is always a blessing in obedience. Because why? Love always leads to obedience. Okay. My uh, PSA back in November last year, 2020, was 14.4, which is kind of high. Normal range is anything under four. Yeah, now I just had... Checked again January 4 of this year, and it had gone down to 2.94. Praise the Lord. It's gone down. It has been as high as 93 at one point. So it's slowly, slowly coming down. Praise be his name. Praise be his name. I have a little bit more energy now. I don't hurt where I used to hurt. And uh, all I can say is praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. His PSA is in normal range. There's no pain in that area anymore. And look at him. Look at the expressions on his face compared to the other time. Do you see a big difference? That looks like a merry heart to me. And that's not us. That's God. That's all God. I take no credit at all. We, just, we are just willing. Me and my wife, our, our team, our friends that, that came, the group of people that would come to him every day and follow up with him, even till now. This was just in December. Would follow up every day, call him every day. Are you doing okay? How are you doing? What do you need? Do you need anything? Can we come over? You know, one of the main things I see that's in common is that no one visits us anymore. No one comes to us anymore. No one calls us and checks on us. Visit them. Praise God. There's not only a blessing only for him, 
But to be able to see God working in their lives gives us even more confidence in him. A confidence and a faith that we need as we head to the final days. We need a big faith, don't we, friends? We need a big faith in the end. We need to have some real Jesus experiences and have that faith grow. Mostly everyone here has access to YouTube, has access to Google, has access to all the books, all the spirit of prophecy, the Bible especially. But I'm telling you, these, these YouTube videos will show you how to do water therapies, what herbs to use. Uh, you, could, you could seek all this information at our fingertips. You could do all that. But I'm telling you today, friends, that the active ingredient in any of these remedies, any of these therapy treatments, any of the water therapies is Jesus. Because it's just, it's just dirt. It's just a plant. It's just a weed at times. It's just water. But the active ingredient is always going to be Jesus. He is the true healer. His character needs to be in you and needs to be reflected so they see the hope in him through you. Was Jesus a friend? What must we do? Should we be an enemy or a friend? A friend. A friend doesn't stand from afar while you're hurt. A friend doesn't stand afar when you're in need. They come closer. There's a need for personal ministry. This will be the work that will be carried to the end. This is the training for the last days. This will be the training. Medical missionary work in the closing crisis. My heart is made sad as I look at our churches, which ought to be connected in heart and soul and practice with the medical missionary work. I wish to tell you that soon there will be no work done in ministerial lines, but medical missionary work. You will never be ministers after the gospel order till you show a decided interest in medical missionary work. The gospel of healing and blessing and strengthening. There will be no more ministerial lines, no more preaching. How will you get the three angels' message out when you can't even do it? When your church is shut down, when there's no more online streaming, when there's no more of that? How? There is a way. There is a work. We can have the three angels' message in these last days to proclaim the precious truths and the precious prophecies that we have. But if we have what? It says here in Corinthians, it says, And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though, I'll have all, all, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me absolutely nothing. If you have no love, you have nothing. You could have all the knowledge in the world. You can know all the commandments by heart. You can memorize this whole book from Genesis to Revelation. But if you have no love, you have nothing. We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of the friend work, of the medical missionary work. The world is a Lazar house filled with victims of both physical and spiritual disease. Everywhere people are perishing for a lack of knowledge of the truths that have been committed to us. The members of the church are in need of an awakening 
that they may realize their responsibility to impart these truths. If you have been encouraged to be a true friend, a gospel medical missionary, to truly, to truly be a friend, to truly be and to truly fulfill the great commandment to love God and to love your neighbor, then I invite each and every one of you today to kneel if you're able, to kneel if you're able to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. To be a friend as Jesus has always been to you, not from afar, but he's always been with you because his promise is that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. We have specific instructions on what we should be doing at this time. God is showing you where to go and how to do it. Can you go where he tells you to go? Can you be a friend? Will you obey and receive the blessing? Yes, it will be hard. Yes, it will be challenging. Yes, there is going to be test, but there is no testimony without a test. That's why there's test in testimony. Revelation 12, 11 says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Let's get to work and prepare ourselves and others for a time where we will need a big faith to make it to that better country because we're almost home. We're almost home.